And let's uh, pray so we can get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're all here once again. I thank you that you have given us breath in our bodies to see another day and to continue to live for you. I pray that you will speak to your people and speak to me as well. It is my prayer that you will illuminate your word to the hearts of your people and everyone who is under the sound of my voice. Convict us and lead us to your son, Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Lord, and I thank you for who you are and what you will do in our lives at Akron Alliance Fellowship and also in this community in the greater city of Akron, Ohio. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. If you don't mind to grab a Bible or grab your phone and open up your Bible on your phone and turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. We are just going to look at one verse uh, today. And what I'm about to say, I'm really joking, so don't take me too seriously. Since we're looking at one verse, I'm kind of thrilled because it's kind of planned out. Um, we had a lot of songs and a lot of introductions in this uh, morning service, so I think the Lord already knew beforehand um, what I was going to say and what we was going to do as a church. All right. Um, throughout my Christian life, throughout my Christian life, I, I frequently find myself failing to uh, consistently pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it is largely due to disobedience and ultimately uh, sin. Simply put. Is that sin that lies in my heart? As you know, uh, sin can horribly manifest itself in ways that causes a believer to stop pursuing the Lord and to stop to strive for holiness. We all know this passage when. a person asked the Lord Jesus Christ, what is the greatest commandment? He said, uh, to the greatest commandment is uh, love the Lord your God with all their hearts and with all their soul and with all their mind and with all their strength. To speak honestly, I can personally say uh, that with all integrity, I, I cannot personally say with all integrity, that I am pursuing 
the Lord Jesus Christ as the way the scripture tells us to. I I don't think that my heart and my mind and soul is always consistently aligned with God's will for my life. I have been reading or rereading this book that I brought up here as a prop, which is uh, titled The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. This is, will be my second time reading this book, um, but definitely not my last. What I want to do is read an excerpt from this book, and so you can just listen to uh, what Tozer said about pursuing the Lord. This is what he said. Uh, this is what he said in the deep hearts of men was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Our woes began when God was forced out of his shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts. For God is crowned there no longer. But there in the moral dusk, stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight among themselves for the first place on the throne. Tozer is basically saying that man was created to worship God, however, the things that God allowed man to enjoy, uh, man have used those things to replace God with. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it this way. Men have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Have you ever felt you were consistently in disobedience in your pursuit in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have other things taken God's place in your heart and mind? Are you being preoccupied by things that God allowed you to enjoy but not to worship? If, you're, if this is you, <clears throat> like me, the reason you and I are standing still in our, pursuit of the, in our pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ is simply disobedience, which causes us to sin against a holy and righteous God. We are continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we now have been studying about Mary, who conceived a child miraculously by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, previously, we learned how Mary's life was redirected by God. We learned 
that Mary receive uh, the word from an angel. And she accepted what the angel said. And as you can see in Luke chapter 1, which is only Luke chapter 1, verse 38. This is the only verse that we're going to cover today. It says this. In fact, instead of just reading the one verse, let's just read in context. Let's start in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the, and the virgin name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. In our text for this morning, verse 38. And Mary said... Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Excuse me. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, There is a lot to say about Mary. Um, There is. However, I want to speak to you again about her unwavering obedience to the Lord. I know that we covered uh, these verses before, and that's why I just want us to focus on verse 38. I want us to take a second look at verse 38. Because what Mary said uh, points to three truths that every believer should uh, practice and hold dear to their hearts. These three truths are submission, self-denial, and obedience. Submission, self-denial, and obedience. This is something that I believe that Mary practiced. And one reason that she was chosen 
by the Lord God to be the mother of Jesus. She practiced submission, self-denial, and obedience. You might say, well, I don't see these three truths in verse 38. They are not there. Um, these, however, these three truths are not explicit, um, but implicit. It is what we see in her and how she responded to the angel's words. So I assure you, as we continue to look at verse 38, we will have a better understanding of these three truths. The submission to deny oneself of earthly things and to always, always be obedient to the Lord God. Let's uh, talk about submission. Uh, Scripture uh, defines our relationship to the Lord with different terms. Have you ever noticed that? That Scripture defines us as sheep that has been led by the great shepherd. Scripture also defines us as friends of God. Scripture defines us as co-laborers in the in, in ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It defines us as priests. So scripture has a way of making sure we understand our relationship to the one who created us in the first place. For example, if you believe that God is a healing God or a provider God, then you that's how you would define your relationship with your Lord. Or if you believe that uh, God is some type of genie in a bottle and he's there to grant you three wishes at your command by you just rubbing on the lamp, like many people who believe in the prosperity gospel, then you will pretty much define your relationship in that way. We all define our relationships with the people we are involved with on a daily basis. Everyone's looking behind me, I have to see, (laughs) on a daily basis. But our relationship is genuinely defined in many ways. And the reason I brought this up, because this is how Mary defined her relationship with the Lord. It's one simple word that she used in a positive sense. And that word in Greek is doule. And in the ESV, it says, says that she was a servant of the Lord. But the technical term for that is doule, means girl slave. Girl slave. She defined herself as a slave. And this is meant to be taken in the positive sense. And I believe She was willing to submit herself to the Lord as she was listening to the angel's announcement. You know, in in light of this particular word, 
In Exodus chapter 21, verses 4 through 6, if you don't mind just turning there or you can uh, read behind me. Uh, that's not it. But turn to Exodus chapter uh, 21, verse 4 through 6. And it reads as follows. It says, if his master, this is when the Hebrews were setting up the laws, um, there was going through laws, there was talking about laws, and they came across uh, what it meant to own a Hebrew slave, what it meant to own a Hebrew slave. And this is Moses speaking, and when he was speaking about Hebrew slave, this is what he said. Exodus 21, verse 4 through 6, it reads, If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and, his, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I would not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. What does this mean? Exodus 21, verse 6, uh, 4 through 6, is simply just demonstrating uh, a willingness of a person who was giving themselves up into slavery because they had the year of Jubilee every seven years. Uh, whatever debt that was owed was uh, no longer there. It was all forgiven. But this individual said, I love my master." So it's meant in a positive sense. So when we think about Mary, and she used the term servant, doula, female slave, she was willing to, to say, yes, I submit. I submit to your plans. I submit to what you are requiring me to do. And we have to be very mindful that what the Lord required her to do was a lot. It was something. This is what a teenage girl, and she did what teenage girls do today. You know, we all once were teenagers we all had things that we wanted to do, and we still do, to be honest. But for her, this, this could have costed her very life. But yet she was willing to submit to the Lord's plans for her life, changing her life forever. You know, when I was a teenager, I did so many things that I'm embarrassed to talk about. You know, so when I think about teenagers and when I think about Mary, I have to put myself in her shoes and say, she submitted. You know, Mary had a right to say no to the Lord. Humanly speaking, she had a right. Many of you have, have children. I hang around with teenagers. 
um, I'd be around teenagers, so, and I once was a teenager, so I understand when a teenager is very defiant, and, and when your child is defiant to what you want them to do, is that submission? But it's not. But however, the reason Mary defined herself as a slave girl is because she was willing to do whatever God required her to do. Mary's heart demonstrates to us that she was submissive to the one who created her. She was a humble person. And I must say, humility is a channel of submission. Humility is a channel of submission. In other words, what Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, God opposes the proud but give grace to the what? The humble. This is what submission looks like. For everyone or, or anyone to be obedient to the Lord, he or she must first submit. You know, the Apostle Paul carried out this line of thought in Ephesians. When he tells the church to everyone must submit to one another. Then he went on to say the wife must submit to her husband her own husband, and the husband must love his wife. He doesn't use the word submit, but love of itself is an, is an action. It is something that you do. You know, one time a person told me love doesn't pay the bills, and it doesn't. So when I have to do something for my household and for my wife, I don't always want to do it, but out of my love for her, I am submitting to her. You know, many of you know that I went through the uh, ordination for the Christian Missionary Alliance and to be an ordained minister in this denomination. I have to say, I am very appreciative of the alliance. It's one of the, uh, I was one of the best alliance uh, denomination uh, that that exists, in my opinion. And the reason I say it because they take a mighty effort to train uh, men to be ordained in the denomination. It's not a one, two, three step process for you to be an ordained pastor. So it took me two and a half years to get it done. And one thing that this denomination wants you to focus on is how to surrender to the Lord. You know, they put it in different terms. They say the second feeling of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not familiar with the CMA, you have no idea what they're talking about, and neither did I. I, when I was going through the ordination process and they were saying, have you had the second feeling of the Holy Spirit? Like, what is that? Until one of my mentors explained to me. 
The second feeling of the Holy Spirit is just simply saying that you're surrendering yourself to the Lord consistently. That involves your mind, your heart, and your body and your soul. You're surrendering yourself. It's a conscious thing that you're doing on a daily basis. Every second and every minute of the hour. That's what it means. You know, it's like, to put it in layman terms, it's like allowing God to always be in control of the steering wheel of your car, that is, your heart, mind, and soul, instead of you driving it. That is the feeling of the Holy, second feeling of the Holy Spirit. And to illustrate this point, and, and to illustrate this point, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And what is Paul saying to us in this passage? In other words... To be a living sacrifice, that means that you have to place yourself willingly upon the altar of God to be sacrificed. It is a personal choice. A dead sacrifice cannot move. A living sacrifice can. So that means for us and, and for, for those who understand, it means that you have an option to either allow the furnace to be turned up and you allow yourself to be moved from that sacrifice or to just continue to lay there. Amen? This is what it means. And this is how we are ought to surrender ourselves to the Lord. This is a form of submission. We're surrendering our minds, or, or in other words, being submissive to the Lord by offering our minds, our hearts, and our bodies to him. To do whatever he desires to do in our lives. What I find interesting about submission, self-denial, and obedience, obedience cannot happen unless you deny yourself of the things that you want. And if you don't deny yourself, uh, then you will not 
willingly submit. Makes sense, right? It's like in a sequence. That's what it is. In order to be obedient, you first must submit. In order to submit, you must deny yourself. Whenever a person chooses things before God, he or she is not submissive, nor obedient, and apparently not denying themselves. You know, if you are submissive, and if you are denying yourself of the things that you naturally want, then obedience will soon to follow. It would naturally follow all of that process. So how do we deny ourselves of the things that we want in life? How do we deny, or I use myself as an example, how do I deny myself of the ice cream that I, I want on a constant basis, especially at Cold Stone? Yeah. How do I deny myself of that? How do I deny myself of not watching TV when I ought to be in my word on a daily basis? How do I deny myself of just simply being quiet when I want to yell at my wife? How do I deny myself of these earthly things or these carnal things that naturally desire to rise up out of my flesh? Well, honestly, I can't give you a perfect answer, but I do know who can. And that is in Luke That is what Jesus said about taking up your cross and following him. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. It says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. And he said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For if anyone, I mean, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. How do we deny ourselves? Well, our Lord said, picking up our cross. And what is that? It's a torture device. It was a mechanism to torture not only our Lord, but everyone who were uh, criminals or enemies of the state of Rome. You know, the Romans had this down to perfection. They knew how to torture someone and just barely keeping them alive long enough so that they can hang on a cross. 
So when we read verse uh, chapter Luke chapter nine verses twenty three through twenty four, our Lord is telling us to do the same thing, to suffer. <laughs> I say that because you know suffering isn't easy. No one likes it. But doing the same thing that we do on a daily basis, we can do that often. We have no problem of doing that because we are comfy, we are are comfortable, we are uh, having fun, we are enjoying ourselves. But that's not suffering. That's not denying yourself. So when we really think about this, to take up your cross daily and follow the Lord, he is asking us to deny ourselves of the things that want our, want our attention, that we gravitate towards if we are not careful. So turn back to Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Luke chapter 1. And I really want you just to look at Mary's, how Mary denied herself of the things that she could have had when she was living. It says this. It's only three simple words. Simple words, but very, it's easy to say, but hard to do. Three simple words in verse 38. And it says, once I get there, come on. And she says in verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And here are the three simple words. Let it be. Let it be. That is self-denial. Let it be. How many of us can really say to the Lord, whatever happens, Lord, whatever troubles that comes my way, whatever I face, let it be. Can you truly say that? You know, I know I can when I'm having fun. Lord, let it be. But when I'm facing adversity, when I when things are not going my way, I cannot honestly say, Lord, let it be. Do you see the pattern here? Do you see how she was willing to submit? Then she, then she willing, then she said, "Let it be according to your word." That's denying oneself. That is saying, Lord, 
I accept the task that you have given me. Yes, use me as a vessel to be the mother of your son. Let it be. This is what self-denial looks like. And out of self-denial, Mary was obedient to the Lord. She was obedient. Because if you first do the first two, submission and deny yourself, then obedience will follow. It's as simple as that. It will follow. Again, use this as an example. You guys and gals have children. I use them as an example because we too are like children. We are the children of God, and we have the same mannerisms as the children we have. Well, when you tell your child to do something, there is a sense of stubbornness there, unwillingness, and a desire not to do what you desire, want them to do. But once they submit, they're saying to you, yes, mom or dad, let it be. And after that, they are obedient. So obedience just follows. It naturally follows in this sequence. And I I don't necessarily find it ironic. Well, uh, a little bit. The there is only one person in history who perfectly exemplifies submission, self-denial, and obedience, and that is Jesus Christ. And what I find ironic is is that God used Mary as a vessel to be obedient, I mean to submit, to deny herself and be obedient. Then her son followed. He, God knew who he wanted to be the mother of his son. And Christ is the ultimate example of what it means to be submissive and to deny yourself and, and deny yourself in obedience. He's exemplary he, of this. And what I mean by that. You can turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8. And it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8, it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empty himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. Again, he took, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. The Greek term there is doule, means slave, being the likeness of men and found in human form. And he humbled himself and he was obedient to the point of death. As I close, I ask, I ask these questions to just to get you thinking. Are you submissive for believers? Are you truly, truly submissive to the Lord? Are you practicing self-denial? And are you being obedient? Are you denying yourself? And I ask for those who do not know the Lord that you will humble yourself and be submissive to him. That you will soften your heart and listening to him calling you to himself. That is the first form of submission that I will plead with anyone because that is that is a means of your salvation. That is a means to escape for from the wrath to come, as scripture puts it. Because if you are submissive. And when you are submissive, I should put it, then you will naturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, say to your new, to the Lord in a new relationship with him, let it be. Let it be. That's what you would say. It's a natural thing for, for those who believe and for those who will believe in the salvation that God gives us. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for your word because it stands true. It stands the te- uh, test of time. It is by your word that we get to know who you are as, as a father, as a friend, as a co-laborer. So, Lord, I pray that you repress upon the hearts of those who do not know you in those terms and do not know you as father. That you would speak to their hearts and their minds to repent of their sins. And believe in your son, Jesus Christ, by confessing with their mouth that he has risen from the grave. I pray this will be true for them. That this would be the first step for them to submit to you. And I also pray for myself and for those um, like me that struggle to be submissive. I pray that you will help us, Lord, when our flesh is trying to conquer our ways. I pray that by the power of your Holy uh, your Spirit that you will give us 
which you already have, given us power to defeat these earthly things that take priority over you. But most importantly, I pray that, Father, that your Son, Jesus Christ, will be glorified in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and by our actions. In his name I pray. Amen.